this morning, I really felt led of the Lord to kind of continue in this seizing your opportunity and your destiny with really talking about the opportunity of a lifetime. How many of you know that knowing Jesus is life's greatest opportunity? It truly is. It truly is. And uh, what a joy. I had the honor of being raised in a, in a good church, a somebody of God church, and was able to give my heart to the Lord. We're sinner in the world, eight years old, Ellen, in the Sunday school class. And it was the greatest appointment of my life up to that time when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. But as I grew in the Lord and I uh, married my dream come true, um, and we started beginning to serve the Lord, and uh, I, just one of the prayers that I made of my heart was this, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. I'll go where you want me to go. Lord, just Use me. I made that our prayer. We made that our prayer as a husband in life. And, and what a wonderful joy it has been to be able to experience the, the goodness of the Lord through the seasons of life and, uh, and to be able to enjoy his touch upon our lives. I remember uh, back when we were young, youngly married, uh, a young man stopping me in the lobby of the church and and uh, Richard, he looked at me and he said, he said, Hal, he says, I think you're going to be in the ministry someday. I said to him, are you crazy? I worked at Ford at the time. It was tractor. And I remember I was walking through the buckle up area. And that was the area where they connected the center housings to the rear axles and the engines. We called that the buckle up area. And as I had passed through there, one of my dear friends, Harold Hamlin, was coming the other way. And I said, hey, Harold, how you doing? And uh, he said he was doing great, and Jesus is Lord. And uh, as I walked past him, he spun on a dime, and he said, Hal. I said, what? He says, I think I need to tell you something. He said, the Lord just spoke to my heart. And he said, you're going to be in the ministry someday. I said, you crazy? We took a trip out to California and out to San Diego and was uh, visiting family out there, my sister and my brother-in-law. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, San Diego area. There's a restaurant there called Anthony's. Great fish, seafood. We're at Anthony's. And I was talking with uh, my sister and brother-in-law, Gary, and uh, just out of the sky blue while we're eating dinner, Gary looked at me, J.D., and he said, Hal, he says, I think you're going to be in the ministry. I says, are you crazy? You know, friends, God has a way of winking at you. God has a way of getting your attention. God has a way of confirming his word and his will to your life. If you are listening. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about the opportunity of a lifetime. With these little winks, I always pondered and prayed, God, how can it be? But as we make ourselves available, God does his perfect will. Can you say amen? Father, today as we look into your word, we're thankful, God, that you grant us throughout life great opportunities. The greatest opportunity of all is to know Jesus. Jesus. 
and to accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. But Lord, we also realize, Lord, that you have a very, very special life calling for each and every single one of us, whether we're male or female, whether we're married or we're single. Lord, you have a calling for us. And I pray, Lord, that we would seize the opportunity to fulfill our destiny as we come to realize what your working and your will is in our individual lives in the name of Jesus. And everyone would say, Amen. If you got a little worksheet there, you can fill out the first point. I want to talk about this a little bit as we turn to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, fill in the blank there, life's calling for you. Life's calling for you. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. What determines the choice? I think what determines the choice is our response to his voice. And I think the question is, are you listening? Are you hearkening? Are you hearing the bidding of the Lord as he's speaking to your life? And as he's revealing what his will and working is for you. I thought about some of the Bible greats uh, this past week as I was uh, preparing for this word today in this life calling. I thought of Father Abraham who was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. God called him. I thought of Moses the way that he was called out of a burning bush to be a great deliverer. I thought of Elisha who was called while he was plowing a field by Elijah. I thought of young Samuel who was called in the night by that voice he didn't recognize yet that said, Samuel. And he woke up and he heard the bidding of the voice and he ran to Eli thinking that it was his master that was calling him, but it was a greater master. It was the Lord. But a young man... Yes, God can speak to a child of their life calling. I thought of David who was called out of the sheepfold to be anointed king of Israel. For God finally found a man and a shepherd, a man after his own heart. I thought of the disciples who were fishermen who Jesus called out of the Sea of Galilee and called them simply this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was visited by the angel and the salutation alarmed her and she was given the revelation that she would be the mother of the Savior of the world. What a calling. Motherhood. And all the ladies would say, Amen. God has a life calling for every single one of you. And I'm reflecting upon the words of Peter where he said, we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can you say amen? 
Aren't you glad that you're called? I know I am. But God's called us into this glorious light. But I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever considered Christ's particular calling upon your life? Someone has once said that the highest calling in life is the ministry. I would say the highest calling in life is the one that God has for your life. Yes, the ministry is a high and noble calling. But not everyone is called to be a pastor. Not everyone is called to be an evangelist. Not everyone is called to be a leader in this capacity. But we're all called to be what he wants you to be in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? We are all called. Life's highest calling. What is yours? The body of Christ, I've learned, is very, very diverse. Within the diversity of the body of Christ, there's many, many giftings and many, many functions. Paul brings this out uh, very beautifully there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we are interdependent upon one another. And your life calling will determine, be determined by your placement within the body of Christ. Not all are leaders. Some have to be servants. Not are all administrators. Some need to be doers. Not all are singers. Not all are performers. But everybody has their place within the body of Christ. We are all called to be servants of Jesus. What has he called you to serve in? Point number two, write this down. Our, our calling embraces our life mission. The Lord took me back into the book of Exodus, chapter uh, 36. And uh, there's a beautiful picture here that's portrayed here about two servants that God had blessed uh, within an area of gifting. Exodus chapter 36, 1 and 2, and Bezaleel and Aholiab and and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for service of the sanctuary, to do according to all that the Lord had commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholab, that's a mouthful, every gifted artisan in whom the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred, to come and to do the work. God many times places a call upon people to be, but their hearts are not always stirred. There are those that God gives gifts to and abilities to, but they're not always stirred. Are you stirred? To do the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you stirred to discover what your giftings are that God has given particularly to you to minister within the body of Christ? It's critically important for us to be stirred 
and to be willing and to make ourselves available to be used of God within the arena of giftings that he has given to you. And I believe that God has given everybody giftings, but not all giftings are willingly being released. The key is being available. The key is, is the area of position in yourself. Say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Subpoint A here, good and perfect gifts. Good and perfect gifts. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Say good. Say perfect. They come down from the Father. Do you recognize your gifts? Do you realize that the Father has graced you with those gifts? And to be a good manager of those gifts in the house of God. Ephesians 4.8 says, gifts given to men. Write it down. Gifts given to man. Ephesians 4, 8. Therefore, when he ascended on high, the he being Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Gifts. I want you to think for just a moment about what your gifts are. What special blessings has the Lord placed upon your manhood or upon your womanhood, upon your marriage or upon your singleness? Because we're all important, whether we're married or whether we're single, God has given us gifts. Are we using those gifts for his glory? Are we using those gifts for the edification of the body of Christ? Are we using those gifts to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ? What are these giftings? I believe there's relational giftings, there's intellectual giftings, there's spiritual giftings, there's financial giftings, there's musical giftings that God has released in the church. Just as with these two out of uh, Exodus that I mentioned, God had given artistic giftings to for the preparation of the of the tabernacle god gives special gifts to you and to you and to you and to you are you using those gifts to honor the lord i remember several years ago uh, i was admiring uh, some of david uh, Bowman's uh, artwork as we were preparing for one of our wild game dinners and and, and uh, man, that man can draw, the man can paint, the, the man can sculpt, I mean, I mean the giftings, uh, I mean that kind of, I, I'm lucky if I can write, I can draw a stick man and I told David, I said man I've always envied people like you that had the ability, the gifting to draw, to paint, and, and, and to portray on canvas just 
things that are unbelievable. And he said something to me that I never forgot. He said, you know, Pastor Hal, he said, you paint with words. Never thought about that before, Jen. We preachers, we paint with words. Our paintings are a little different than with a brush or with a pen or with a pencil. But we paint Jesus. We paint truth. Line upon line, precept upon precept. We paint the will and the working, the love and the grace and the mercies of the Lord. And I said, thank you, David. I never really considered that before. But yes, God's giftings are ours to be released through our lives and through our ministries. As you consider what your giftings are, I want you to consider whether you are being a good steward or good manager over those giftings that God has given you. Some of you, God has given the gifting of hospitality. Some of you, God has given giftings of uh, musical talent and abilities. Some of you, God has given giftings of teachings and instruction. Some of you in the nursery have the giftings of the squalling and bawling department. Can you say amen? Mike, that's not my calling. Praise the Lord. Others have the giftings to manage things administratively within the church. How many of you know that's important? Amen. But stewardship, friends, is management. And when I think of stewardship, I always think of the three T's, where we are a steward of our time, a steward of our talents, and a steward of our treasures. And I think the easiest thing for us to do, Mike, is just to write a check. But what about tithing of your time and tithing of your talents? I think we should have a well-balanced three T's within our lives. We need the tithe of our time, our talents, and also of our treasures. Point C here. Gifts of the Spirit. I'm glad we're part of a Pentecostal church. We believe in the full working of the Holy Spirit within our midst. But Paul was very clear here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talked about the gifts of the Spirit. He talked about the inspirational gift or vocal gifts. He talked about the revelation gifts or the knowing gifts. And then he also talked about the power gifts or the working gifts that are within the body of Christ. Not everybody has the vocal gifts. Not all have the knowing gifts. Not all have the working gifts. But the gifts are divided severally as the Holy Spirit wills. Paul's very clear on this here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as we're speaking of gifts today and opportunities into discovering and seizing our destiny, do you understand that God the Father has given us gifts of the Holy Spirit? 
Do you make yourself available to be used of the Holy Spirit with these gifts? Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 8 says, Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us. Romans 12. Gifts that are given. Have you received gifts from God? Or should I ask, do you realize that God has given gifts or God has gifts for you? Yes, he does. Paul was very clear. The only thing the Bible tells us to covet is this. Covet earnestly the best spiritual gifts. That word covet means to have great desire. I think it honors Christ when we have great desire to function within the gifts that he has for us as individuals and to discover those gifts and then to be good stewards of those gifts. Desire earnestly the best spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4.11 tells us that God has given gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They are given to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification or the building up of the body of Christ. Can a gift really enhance the body if the bearer of the gift refuses the function in that gift? What gift has God placed upon you that needs to function? Maybe, maybe God wants to work gifts of healing through some of you and you've not let, had the faith to believe God that God can use me. Friends, our part is to pray. God's part is to do only what he can do. But if I don't pray, how can God answer that prayer? Amen? Doesn't the word say they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? That verse isn't just for pastors to pray. That's for the body of Christ to pray. These signs shall follow them that believe. Where's your faith? Where's your obedience? Let me take it a little deeper. Where's your love? Because love has to be the motivation through which all the gifts function. My love compels me to go to the shut-ins. My love compels me to pray. My love compels me because it is of the Spirit. Because God is love. 
And there's no greater demonstration of gifts than when there is love flowing through the body of Christ unto the body. God's calling us to love. God's calling us to be used of his gifts because he's given the church wonderful gifts. Amen. Friends, whatever God calls you onto, he empowers you and enables you to become, perform. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 again says that we should earnestly desire best gifts. Point number three, called but not chosen. Called but not chosen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, there was a wealthy young ruler, a LaRue, that came to Jesus and, and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, and he said, all of these things I have done from my youth. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. In verse 16, in Matthew 19, 16, Jesus said, If you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven. And come, follow me. All of that abundance that you have, Jesus said, Eddie, just give it away. Give it to the poor. And you'll have riches in heaven. I think that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? But then Jesus, Susie, said, come and follow me. But when the young man heard the saying of Jesus, to give it all away, and to come and follow me, the Bible says that he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Can I give you a word today? Hold on to your stuff loosely. Hold on to your baggage loosely. The problem with this young man is that the baggage was holding on to him. Friends, it's all stuff. Say stuff. It's all temporary, isn't it? When uh, Hughes passed away, the billionaire, one of his workers was asked, how much, did, how much did he leave behind? The worker said, all of it. Isn't that true? This young man didn't grasp the reality that it's just stuff. He did not grasp, Ruth, the reality of only that which is done for Jesus lasts forever. 
He forfeited the opportunity of a lifetime. Now think of this. We made a Remember Peter, James, John, the other disciples who became apostles were all bid by Jesus in a, in a very similar uh, phrase, come, follow me. There were others that wanted to follow that Jesus said no to. Remember the man who was delivered from the demons, begged Jesus, he wanted to follow Jesus, and it was a right desire, but Jesus had a different call for his life. He said, go back to your own land and tell them about the wonderful things that God has done for you. The Lord's calling upon his life was to be a witness, say witness. It was not to be an apostle. But this young man, Jesus said, go give your stuff away. Give it to the poor. <laughs> You're investing in, in heaven. You'll have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. Wow. I believe this. It's very possible that this young man could have been Jesus' choice to replace Judas Iscariot. And he forfeited the opportunity of a lifetime to follow Jesus because he couldn't let go of the stuff. Is there any stuff that you're holding on to too tightly? Is there any baggage that you're holding on to too tightly? Is there any weight that's holding you back from God's very best in being able to seize your destiny in Christ? You don't want to be like the young man who walked away from the opportunity of a lifetime sorrowful because the baggage had you. You want to be able to like those who followed and surrendered their all to Christ and enjoyed the riches of being an instrument of his peace in service for time and also in eternity. Our greatest opportunity is in knowing Christ. And our second greatest opportunity is in serving Christ and being a good steward over the gifts that he gives to us in service. Friends, hold on to your baggage loosely. Can you say amen? Subpoint A here, the call of Jesus is the opportunity of a lifetime. Some of you may be called to become a Sunday school teacher. My very first opportunity, LaRue, they came to me one day and I didn't know nothing. They said, yeah, we have a fifth grade Sunday school class. We need a, a teacher. Will you, will you teach it? I didn't know a thing. I said, I'll do it. And that's where my journey began. 
I had kids in that class, one that didn't even have laces in his shoes, and I had another child, he spent his summers in England. I mean, the two extremes of pupils. And I seized that opportunity to love those kids and to be able to minister to those kids. One of, the, one of those kids I'm still friends with today after all of these years on Facebook. He's one of, he travels the world. He's a tremendous success, a Christian. But he calls us to serve in various capacities. And I've learned that if we are faithful with little, he'll grant us greater opportunities. All we have to do is choose to be faithful. I like the old song that says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It takes faith. It takes trust. And I have learned that if we will do our part, God will do his part. Point B, the call of Jesus demands a response. Follow me. He spoke to Peter. And I will make you. Some of you, God's been calling for a long time. And you've not yet surrendered completely to his bidding to follow. If you will follow, he will make you. If you will walk by faith, you will become what I call a water walker. That's what they used to call us at Ford's, us Christians at Ford, water walkers. Because we walk by faith. If you will follow, he will empower you. He will infuse you with his will and with his workings. And you will experience the best of God. When he calls us, it demands a response. Point C, the call of Jesus requires our obedience to his word. Remember Saul of Tarsus on his journey on the road to Damascus? And he had a confrontation with Jesus. And he was smitten by that great light and he cried out, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And the Lord gave him a word that he had to respond to by faith. We know that Saul of Tarsus was smitten with blindness. And the Lord said, go on to Damascus. Now he had a choice right there at that road whether he was going to go back to Jerusalem and remain blind or obey by faith the direction of the Lord and have an encounter with Ananias who would lay hands on him and he would receive his miracle and receive his sight. You see, when the God calls us, it demands a response. 
And our response should always be followed through with obedience to what his word is to us. The rich young ruler missed the opportunity of a lifetime because he could not obey what the Lord told him to do. Friends, sometimes God tells you to do something that may not make sense to you. But how many of you know he sees the bigger picture? He sees the greater need. He sees the greater snare that we may have that we may not recognize as being a snare. And I like the counsel of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because when you obey by faith, that's the ingredients to your miracle. Oh God, this doesn't make sense to do this or to do thus. It doesn't have to make sense. God is beyond sense. We live by faith. We live by faith. And as we walk in faith and obedience to his word, he will confirm that word with signs following. If we will follow him. What's holding you back? What's hindering you? What gift does the Lord have for you just, just waiting to be expressed in and through you to others that is handicapped because you won't say, I'm willing? Friends, the theme song of your life should be, I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. All to him I freely give. Let that be your theme song of surrender to the one who is, has given the gifts to us here in the church. Do you have excess baggage? Maybe the cares of life, the deceitfulness of things, or the desires for things that are in the world. Maybe these things have become snares to you. Just let go and let God. Let go and let Jesus. Hold on to those things loosely. Point number four today. The keys to fulfilling your life calling. The keys to fulfilling your life calling is this. Be available. Be available. I was listening to a song uh, lay on this week from Ron Canoli, an old chorus we've sang. I've heard through uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle. And I just that, that song, that chorus just cascaded through my spirit this week. And it kind of goes like this. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. 
Take my hands, take my feet, touch my heart and speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. What a song. What a song. Use me. Is there, I can't think of greater prayer for us to have as individuals than to simply say, Lord, I'm available. Use me. We've got a, a back-to-school big give coming up just within a couple of weeks. God can use you to be an instrument of his love. God can use you to be a greeter. God can use you to be an, an escort. God can use you to be an encourager. God can use you to touch boys and girls and family members with the love of Christ. It doesn't take much. It just takes availability. What else in life is more important than souls? Hollywood can't compete with life's highest calling to touch people with the love of God. Make yourselves available to be an extension of his everlasting arms in ministry, in our big gifts. Uh, when we have drama performances, there's something everybody can do if you're available. If you're willing, God can use you. And I would dare say, God can use you in greater ways than you could have ever dreamed. All you have to do is step through by faith. Some of you, God may call to go with Frank on some of these mission trips abroad. He would say, God could use me, why not? God can empower me, why not? God can position me to do his will in his workings, absolutely. All you have to do is make yourself available. Available. B. Have a servant's heart. The boys were arguing around the table. You know how men are. About who's the greatest. Who's going to sit at the right hand? Who's going to sit at the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom of come? And Jesus taught them a very, very simple lesson. He girded himself with a towel. And he got down on his knees and he washed between their toes. He washed their tootsies. And Jesus taught them that greatness in the kingdom is not a position or a title or a place where you sit. Greatness in the kingdom 
comes from being a servant. He said, he that would be greatest in the kingdom would be the servant of all. Have you found a place to serve in the church? Have you found a place of ministry to be involved in? Have you found a place where all you need to do is smile and say good morning? To shake a hand? To give a greeting? Have you found a place maybe just to give encouragement and faith and prayer support? All around you this morning, there are opportunities for the love of God to flow. All you have to do is choose to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you choose to be a servant, then you can be a vessel through which his love flows. You can learn from Jesus what it is to be a servant. You can learn from the Bible greats of what true greatness is. Read Hebrews chapter 11 and see in that great, great chapter those who had great faith that had great hearing and responses to his word. And no friends that the cause is more important than your comfort. The cause is Christ. It's not about you. Amen? The cause is Christ. It's not about you. And the sooner we get you out of the way, then Christ can manifest through you in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God wants to work in and through us, but we must make ourselves available. Point number C, walk humbly before the Lord and apply your heart to understanding. This word came to me Several years ago, and I was at working at Ford at the time. Ever have one of those, what I call, monkey as on your back? I had a situation, like I had the weight of the world upon my shoulders. And Frank, I just couldn't shake it. Yes, I was in ministry. Yes, I was involved. Yes, I was leading worship. Yes, 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 yes. But there was like an oppression, Becky, upon me. I just couldn't rid myself. I came to church and I, Teresa, I had a smile. I came to church and, and, and I portrayed my very best. But so I had this, this weight upon me. Prayed about it, Bob. Long season where this weight was upon my life. And I remember I was driving down in the plant down to my beeline area at the engine plant. And I was driving down the aisleway in a PMHV, a powered material handling vehicle. 
I was crying out to God. And the Lord spoke to my heart those words. Walk humbly before me and apply your heart to understanding. And I don't know how Phil to put it into words, but it was like the weight of the world lifted off of my shoulders. And the tears of joy flowed down my face. There was sweet release. When I got to the beeline repair bay, my repairman looked at me and he thought I must have been going nuts. Because my face was like a waterfall of tears of joy. Because God gave me a word. And there's times, friends, when when you're walking with him, he's going to give you a word. And I've learned to walk humbly before him. And when I don't understand the reasons and the issues of life, I will trust in the Lord. And he's faithful. He gave me a life verse. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what the Lord has required of you. To do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. To do justly simply is this. Do what's right. It's not rocket science, is it? His word tells us what is right, doesn't it? It also tells us, Nancy, what is wrong. Just do whatever he tells you to do. His word is there. Do what his word tells us to do. And it's summed up in two two amazing words. You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And number two, you'll love the Nancys of life like, like you love yourself. That's pretty simple. You'll love the Teresas of life like you love yourself. You'll love the Roy Mills of like like you love yourself. It's all summed up in love. Just do what he said to do. And secondly, to love mercy. Be a mercy shower. Somewhere it's written, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain. How many here are candidates for mercy? All of us. We all need his mercy. You know what? That mercy is contingent upon us being merciful to others. Amen. Then the third point, walk humbly with your God. I look at it this way. Practice the presence of God daily, not weekly, W-E-A-K-L-Y. Do what's right. Be merciful. Practice his presence. If you'll follow those principles, then you will seize your destiny. And you'll live a fulfilled life. Is there anyone in the house that wants to miss God's will? Is there anyone in the house that wants to miss God's working and his wonders? I don't think so. Friends, you can be used. You can seize your destiny. If you will simply surrender to the Lord.
And I ask the keyboarders to come at this time. Friends, Jesus is a life transformer. But you have to have the faith to believe God. You have to have the love to be motivated to do service unto the Lord. And you have to have the trust to let go and to let God. Father, we bow our heads before your presence today. And we ask, Lord, that we, none of us, would miss the opportunity of a lifetime. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor Hal, I've never really given my heart fully to Jesus. I've never really surrendered my will to him. But today, I'd like to give it to him. I'd like to accept his salvation. I'd like to experience the opportunity of a lifetime of knowing Jesus, truly knowing him today. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? I want to experience the opportunity of a lifetime to know Christ. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Three hands this morning. Anybody else? You may put those hands down. Everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you just as I am. Lord, I confess that I am a sinner. But Lord, I believe you are the Savior. Forgive me, Jesus, of all of my sins. Cleanse me, Jesus, and make me every whit whole. From this day forward, I will live for you. From this day forward, I will live by faith Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for making me whole. Hallelujah.